everybody, and welcome to another real podcast from MoxieWorks. I'm your host, CEO of MoxieWorks, York Bauer. It's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you for taking time. And it's my uh, distinct pleasure to welcome Tom Smith to the podcast today. And Tom is not only a member of our board, but a principal uh, of the investment team at Vector Capital. So, Tom, welcome. Thanks, York. Great to join you and looking forward to this podcast. Yeah, thanks for making the time. I mean, obviously, we spend a lot of time talking about our business, but I'm thrilled to be able to have you here to talk about not only really our business, but more the lay of the landscape. Um, real estate technology has been a topic of conversation in the in the brokerage industry now for some time with the disruptors in particular. So it's wonderful to have your expertise uh, here with us, Tom. Great. Um, looking forward to it. Yeah, so let's let's start though with a little bit of context. Um, as I mentioned already, you guys uh, uh, as Vector are investors in, in Moxie, but what the audience may not know is that Tom was part of the team that led that investment. So unlike a lot of other organizations where there's a, you know, a team that does a deal and there's a team that comes in to actually be the, the long-term investment team, uh, you guys run a little bit differently and, and we've certainly enjoyed, I think, a much deeper relationship, and I would compliment you guys on having done your homework about not only our company but the space. So, uh, but let's start with with Vector and your own personal background, Tom. So, why don't you give the, the audience a little bit of a view of, of Vector and how you came to to Vector? Yeah, sure. Uh, well, Vector's a San Francisco-based private equity firm. We've been around for over twenty years. We were one of the first private equity firms focused on software. Um, you know, a lot of venture capital and other types of firms uh, cropped up in kind of the 90s and Vector, Vector focused on uh, the private equity side of investing pretty early on. I joined in um, 2013, uh, coming out of um, you know, my finance experience in New York City where I'd worked for a couple of years, started my career. Uh, joined Vector early on, I wanted to be in software investing um, and Vector was one of the premier names at the time. Um, and I, now I've been, I've been here since then. I took a couple years off to go to business school uh, in Boston and uh, have, have been at Vector ever since then. And I now co-lead our um, application software team with one of the partners here. Wonderful. That's great. And, uh, and it's been fun to watch you, you guys do what you do. Um, before we dive into how you came to the real estate technology space as, a, as an investment opportunity, maybe you can also talk about what, at least in my mind, makes you guys the, as I jokingly call you, the un-PE, meaning you're, <laughs> you're, uh, the way you're funded and, and the way that you look in terms of time horizons at markets, sure. I think is markedly different. So explain that a bit. Yeah, well, um, we are long-term investors. So we you know, we don't have a set number of years that we keep our investments. We can hold them for, we've held companies for up to 16 or 17 years and others for a couple of years, depending on the opportunity. And so we look for long-term value and we try to find companies that we think will have um, an impact in the long-term. Um, and I think, you know, your, your, to your question about the, the way that we interact with management teams and uh, the, the un-PE nature of it, I think that's just our own personalities and the way that the culture of our firm is, I think, uh, you know, we, all of our deals are unique and bespoke. And so we like to get to know the management team and just given our long-term perspective, we, um, we want to build long-term relationships. 
Yeah, and that I can I can tell uh, the audience here with with great certainty that that has been the case. Uh, and I think it's important because, as I think everybody out there knows, we're also uh, invested in by three of the what I would argue are the best quality brokerages out there. So it's been this this great duality of the leading voices in the industry and one of the most experienced voices on the software investment side. So it works out quite well. But you talked about uh, the importance of, of building relationships, which as you know, is fundamental to the, um, the space that we serve. It's certainly the fundament of, of real estate. So talk a little bit about how that played into and, and how you went about the decision to to invest, not just in Moxie, but the, the real estate technology space itself. Why was that attractive to you? Sure. We, my, my focus is on ver, industry verticals. So every year we will find a vertical or a space that we think, you know, is under automated or has opportunity for, uh, for growth in software adoption. And starting in 2019, we identified real estate as, as ripe for investment dollars and right for growth. And you, you, you saw a lot of venture and private equity funding coming into the market at the time. Um, you know, the, the home transaction itself is still under automated. I think people in uh, the younger generations want a more digital sort of easier experience. And uh, we wanted to invest behind that macro trend. Uh, and so started searching in the, the real estate space for good opportunities to invest. And we found MoxieWorks, which is the market leader in its specific niche. Um, and liked the team, liked the, the focus they had on selling to the brokerage and um, decided to, to back York and his team um, to take advantage of that macro trend of, of digital and uh, software growth in real estate. And I think that that trend is going to continue and there's still a lot more opportunities. We've continued to invest behind the team at MoxieWorks and in acquiring ActivePipe and continuing to invest in new products and things like that. But we think it's, it's, it's got a lot more growth to, uh, to occur in that sector. Right. And you mentioned VCs in there. So maybe for the audience, because I think a lot of times in conversation, VC and PE get lumped together. Yeah. And while there's some certainly some blending, perhaps you could argue that's going on, uh, they are different. So maybe you can delineate that, I think, for the audience would be helpful. Yeah, sure. And definitely the, the reality is the line between venture capital and private equity is blurring, for sure. But, you know, the fundamental difference is venture capital is funding given to startups or other young businesses that show potential for long-term growth. And think of the word venture, it's it's a new venture. There's There's a lot of risk to this type of investing because a lot of new ventures don't succeed. You know, but there's high reward if they do succeed. Private equity, on the other hand, um, is capital invested in more mature companies whose products are proven um, and that have had at least some market success already. And it's called private equity because it's capital invested in a private company, you know, that's not publicly listed. Um, you know, it's similar to investing in public equities or stocks. You know, but publicly traded companies are also mature companies whose products are proven. But private equity is the same thing, just in private markets. But like I said, the, the line is blurring. Private equity firms are, uh, you know, beginning and have have done so for the last several years, investing in growthy ventures, you know, giving capital to accelerate growth. And venture capital firms are venturing into more mature companies as well. Um, in fact, my firm, Vector Capital, is increasingly focused on investing in growth software companies like MoxieWorks and helping them grow faster which is traditionally the role of venture capital. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's been very interesting to watch. I've, I've spent a long time in the industry, and you're right. It's 
the last five years, those lines have really started to, to blur. But let, you touched on the idea of a venture and, and of various levels of risk and maturity. Um, I was in a conversation last week. I was for the audience. I was at Leading RE, the, the leading real estate companies of the world conference in Las Vegas last week, and we hosted a um, an annual um, reception that we do for our customers and, and other friends of the company uh, called Wisdom Over Wine. And it's great. There's no agenda. We just talk about what's going on. And uh, one of the interesting conversations was that earlier that day there had been a, a session on innovation in, in the real estate brokerage business and specifically the term of micro innovation, the idea that you don't have to come up with, you know, the next cure for cancer, but you can make incremental innovations. And one of the things that, that I related that I think is a fundamental difference between how brokerages think and operate versus how technology companies like Moxie would operate is the fundamental difference in the business model. You know, with you and I, Tom, with 10 grand could start a brokerage tomorrow and mm-hmm. pretty much immediately generate revenue. Whereas in our world, and you know this, but for the audience, we, we have to invest all the money in building the thing before you can then take the thing to market and actually make revenue. And so implicit in our model is risk. Now it's calculated risk. We're not just shooting for the hip, but, uh, but I think it's a fundamental difference. So can you first talk about how you think about taking business risk? Cause you guys have a, you know, two yeah. decades of, of doing this. Tell us how you think about, about underwriting risk essentially. Well, sure. Uh, you know, from our perspective, at the stage of investing that we uh, do, you know, we look for investment opportunities that have a relatively protected downside that enable us to swing for the fences and take a lot of risk. You know, our, our job at our stage of investing, which is, which is kind of uh, established businesses, you know, our, our job first and foremost is not to lose money. Um, and then second is to generate a, a positive return. So, so, you know, we look for assets that have that downside protection with upside potential. So MoxieWorks was a really good example, you know, has a strong product, strong customer base and many years of success serving those customers. So we knew it was at least at the base level, a safe investment. Um, and that gave us an opportunity to then play for upside by investing in new product initiatives, uh, you know, building out the sales team, acquiring adjacent products. ActivePipe is another good example. It was a bit younger of a company than MoxieWorks, uh, but because we had made Moxie our anchor investment, we could go out and add on to MoxieWorks a market-leading module in ActivePipe that otherwise would have required more higher-risk venture dollars uh, if, if we did not have Moxie as the platform. So, so it, 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 Moxie, the investment in Moxie enabled us to swing for the fences by you know, investing in other leading technology um, and take that additional risk because we had that sort of base downside protection in our core asset. Yeah, it makes complete sense. So one of the things I said in this conversation at Leading RE last week is that if I had the magic wand, the proverbial magic wand, it could somehow magically infuse the real estate brokerage leadership community with a higher risk tolerance, I would do so because I feel like all businesses um, have the opportunity to innovate, particularly this concept of micro innovation, you know, smaller risks. Um, but yet many don't. It, it seems associated only with, with the cool, hip technology industry, so to speak. Yeah. So any, any guidance you would have, I mean, you're talking to brokerage leadership here, any guidance you would have in terms of how you 
approach the the topic of assessing risk and of just getting comfortable knowing that you have to invest ahead of the revenue in order to create some of the, the growth that you've seen and enjoyed at not only Moxie, but across the markets you guys have invested in for, for 20 years now. Yeah, I mean, certainly today, you know, technology is the name of the game and um, the disruption cycle uh, of, uh, you know, of, of companies nowadays is so much faster than it was in the past. Um, you know, with, with new technologies that come out and, and the ability to come up with new business models, you know, you see, you know, open door, for example, is a new business model that, that is disruptive. Um, you know, there are other, there are other types of business models in this sector that can come up very quickly. Uh, and so, uh, you know, any traditional business that has been around for many, many years has to innovate and become a modern business with, with, you know, modern technology tools in order to stay competitive and not be disruptive. And so, you know, I believe that, you know, part of the investment always needs to go into figuring out how to stay competitive and stay ahead of, ahead of the game or else you'll be disrupted because that, that cycle is accelerated. Yeah, for sure. Let's talk though about um, the type of investment. Cause one of the things that, that I've, frankly, at times struggled with in this industry. And, and, and we, we as Moxie, even in our existence, we were spun out of Windermere Real Estate a decade ago because the leadership, Obi Jacoby in particular, but the leadership of Windermere recognized that building software internal to a brokerage is, is a non-starter mm-hmm. for reasons of both cost and innovation and just the difference in the model. So talk about that. I mean, why? Because you've seen this across many verticals, as you said earlier, Tom. Why, why do we not see the customers building their own technology across all verticals? And, and I would argue even the disruptors, and I'll pick on Compass as an example here, in my mind, it's kind of a fool's errand to be trying to build your own stuff, but shed some light on that, not just in real yeah. estate, but across, you know? Yeah, well, we, I mean, this goes into why we invested in MoxieWorks. Like we have seen the life cycle of several industry verticals uh, when it comes to software adoption. Because that's and that's what I do is vertical software investing, um, and it it always happens the same way. It's you know the the early on in the adoption cycle of software, the big vendor, the big industry players will, you know, look around, survey the landscape, think there's no real good third party application, so we need to build our own software. And this happened, for example, in the banking sector, which is probably the most mature of all industry verticals in terms of technology adoption. You know, 40 years ago, they started building software for investment banks, right? Um, and, and, and commercial banks. Uh, and they would in, they'd hire their own development team and start building software because that's all you know, the only option they really had. Um, over time, though, the third-party software vendors in the financial services software sector have matured and grown and become huge companies with highly complex, feature-rich technology platforms that many of those banks have transitioned to. And if they haven't, their stack gets really old and antiquated with a lot of tech debt because ultimately they don't have, you gotta gotta consider what is the core competency of an industry player? So in this case, you know, the bank is their core competency hiring and training developers and developing software and building, you know, intellectual property uh, in the form of, you know, code. That's not really their reason for existing or their core competency. Their core competency competency is very different. 
And so over time, they always, you know, will adopt a third-party software that that can that can you know spend a lot more on research and development and spread it over a lot of different customers. So you kind of see this happening in the real estate vertical right now, where Keller Williams and Compass and Remax and others, you know, have their own software stacks and are, or are trying to build their own software solution. But you got to ask, what is the core competency of a brokerage? You know, is it to develop software code or is it something else like attracting and onboarding and training agents, being a community for agents, giving them a brand? Um, you know, there are a lot of new agents that come into the market each year and they need to learn the trade and, and be trained and become part of a brokerage community. And obviously offering technology tools is table stakes now for that, you know, that brokerage offering. But should brokerages be building that software or, the, or should they be providing other services and what is their reason to exist is the question. And strategy 101, if you ever go to, you know, a business class or business school, strategy 101 is identify your core competency and, and focus on that and winning, winning on that element. Yeah, well said. And um, I'm a huge fan of focus. And and by extension, I mean, we're spending, and you know this because you review our financials as recently as our board meeting last week, we're spending tens of millions of dollars a year to be good at this stuff. And that's just more than almost any other of our customers could reasonably spend. And then you have the unreasonable spending. And I'll just toss another compass factoid out there. Uh, some of us have seen um, Mike Del Predi's and others uh, analysis of Compass's financial where they lost more than 400 million last year. Well, my napkin math says with the thousand engineers that they claim to have, that's more than half of that loss is just them investing in, in technology. So I, I, yeah. I think it's a mistake. Um, and I would tell Refkin to his face. I've tried to in the past. Um, it, you know, just there's no need to try and be good at everything, as you say. So Right. Um, and the other thing you have to consider, York, is, is like attracting talent, too. I mean, oh, you yeah. know how hard is it to attract engineering talent? I know across our technology portfolio, we have a, a several interesting software companies and it's really hard to attract engineering talent. And, you know, if you want to build a world-class R&D organization, you know, how, how many engineers want to go work for uh, a brokerage, for example, versus a, you know, a prop tech company or a fintech company or, you know, some Silicon Valley, you know, darling or something like that it's it's tough to attract talent so over time if you're a traditional industry player you're not going to be able to attract the best talent and therefore you're not going to have the best technology yeah i know i think that's a, a really good insight and god knows we struggle daily we, even at our level being a you know a hip company to attract talent so yeah you can imagine doing it in in a less sexy business so to speak from a from the point of view of an engineer for example sure um Okay, well, let's let's talk about um, the similarities. You know, we talked about some of the differences, but what are the similarities as you look at us as a provider and our customer, the brokerage? You know, what do we do well together? Sure. Uh, well, I I was thinking about this question. You know, what are the similarities between you know, say, a software company and a brokerage? Um, well the most salient point I think is that both rely on human capital. Human capital is critical, right? The people are critical in a software company, the whole team, especially the software engineers, which we just spoke about are critical and tough to attract and retain in today's market. You know, there's so many other employment options available to them. 
you know, how do you, how do you get the right engineers? How do you keep them into your business, in your business? In real estate brokerage, it's, it's, it's similar, but the agents are, are the critical staff, right? They are the front line and they, you know, they bring in the revenue. They're difficult to attract and retain in today's market. Um, and so the people, you know, obviously in any organization, but especially, especially in these two types of organizations where in technology businesses, it's the, the, the intellectual property and the product that is so critical. You have to have the right people to build those products. Um, and at a real estate brokerage, you, you need to have the right, the right agents and frontline team, team in there. And, you know, but I think both MoxieWorks as well as, you know, our brokerage customers are all focused on getting the right talent into their businesses. Yeah. And by extension, I'll add at least that it's about relationships in both, both ways, you know, us with our, our staff us with our customers, our customers with their agents and the agents with their consumer. It's all about the, the relationship thread that exists through, through that. Yeah, um, absolutely. So let's wrap up with kind of a combination question, which is where do you see things headed? You know, you guys are good at looking at the, the horizon through the binoculars, um, not just with us, but across the, the work that you do. Yep. So what are your predictions in that? And, and alongside that, what opportunities would you see uh, or advise that a that a brokerage leadership uh, the brokerage leadership might keep their eye on. Sure. Well, I think um, you know I I I believe that this market will continue to evolve as it has you know throughout our investment period. I think there will be continued consolidation and growth in these third party platforms like MoxieWorks and others that'll provide technology tools for for agents and for brokerages. Um, you know, I, I, I predict for this is my, our, our personal thesis, which is why we invested in MoxieWorks, is that the, the industry players in the real estate brokerage space that are building their own technology will eventually see that the third party solutions become better over time and will be more competitive than their in-house solutions. And so I predict that the in-house solutions will shift over time to third party solutions. Um, and then I, I also think that there's a lot we can't predict in this vertical. There are players from outside of the core brokerage space that are looking at the residential real estate sector and figuring out how to get data, how to monetize, you know, different business models in this sector. And so there's, there's a lot of dynamism in this space and, and trying to keep our pulse on it is, is, is critical. I think there's going to be an expansion or, or a closer linkage, linkage between uh, brokerage and mortgage, um, as well as other services around the home purchase, you know, that, 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 um, that are all associated with, you know, when I buy a home, I, I need a lot of other services. And so getting those linked together in some sort of technology solution, I think is sort of what everybody wants in the long term. It's going to, it's going to take longer than people think to get there because it's complicated to get business models to fit together. Um, but I think that's where the market goes eventually. Yeah, I think you're right. And, and while it's been a topic of other podcasts and, and other things we do, I think that's where the open platform approach we have is so important because it's going to take a village and it's not, you can't accomplish it all through internal development. You can't accomplish it all even through acquisition. You need need partnerships to, to accomplish that. Well, okay. this has been awesome. I appreciate your time, Tom, and, and the insights you've uh, given. It's always a pleasure to catch up on this stuff. And for the audience out there, thank you for your time and your uh, interest in Moxie. We look forward to 
doing more of these and hope that what we've covered here today is of some interest. And by the way, as always, feel free to reach out to me. Happy to connect you with uh, Tom or do more content of this type if that's of interest to you. So with that, I thank you all for your time and uh, have a great day out there. The best of success in 22. Take care.